0: hey yo welcome in to the chgo white Sox podcast coming to you live from studio b of our chgo offices here in the west loop of chicago i'm your host sean anderson follow me on twitter at sean underscore w underscore anderson you can follow the show on twitter at chgo or chgo underscore white sox, uh, and you can follow herb lawrence hello on Twitter, at EchnerWall23 is our CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, we'll be talking about expectations for the second half. We'll be talking about the good old culture of the White Sox. It's a, a culture you just want to bathe in mm. um, be all stinky. Uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll mention Liam Hendricks and him talking at the ESPY Awards last night as he got honored with the Jimmy V Foundation uh, Award uh, or the Jimmy V Award um, mm-hmm. from the Jimmy V Foundation, um, and uh, we're very excited to talk in um, honor uh, Liam Hendricks' uh, fantastic uh, battle and fight with cancer that uh, you know he's living and thriving each and every day uh, after he. Uh, is, has now uh, been cancer-free. But uh, thank you, everybody, hanging out with us in the chat. Uh, make sure you're hitting that thumbs-up button if you are hanging out with us. And, uh, Herb, I, I, why, are people, why would people watch this team?
1: I don't know. I mean, as a fan, I am reluctant to say that I wouldn't watch this team if I didn't have to watch the team as the person that does this show with you and Vinny. But I'm just trying to think, like, if you don't have any actual ties to this team and you're at the crib— I don't know why you would watch
0: You're John normal. We're nine to five.
1: Yeah. Find something else. We're in the golden age of TV. There's a lot of TV shows out there. We just started watching Secession. Mm -hmm. This is where in like our fifth episode of the first season of Secession. Uh, Everybody's terrible except for our cousin, Greg. Um, Mm -hmm. You have a lot of things you can watch other than the White Sox. You can go out for a walk. It's the summer right by my house. There's a nice uh, summertime festival that happens every Thursday uh, in the summer. Go to that. It's uh, by Argyle Street. You can go to any of the festivals here in Chicago. Go to the museums that we have here. 77 neighborhoods. There's so many other things you could do with your life than watching White Sox baseball. As we said last year, if you want to do that and do something else and then occasionally check in with us or every night check in with us and see how the White Sox did, baby, we're in there because we're going to be watching every game. It's our punishment for... Uh, Choosing this team a long time ago with our lives. And uh, we're lucky we have this job. It's a great job. I love talking to Sean and Vinny, chopping up with my guy Steven, who is our producer. But you know, if I didn't have to watch these some bitches, I would be hard pressed to not watch it. Saying that, I'm trying to think last week when I went to Denver, did I watch I yes, we're in a bar in Denver on the Friday game, and I got my TV, my little phone on the socks watching that game late in the game versus the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, I think I told you guys when I was in Nashville, a full week of not watching White Sox baseball. I just checked the score afterward. It was great. I'm like, oh, Sox got walked off on a wild pitch. Like, so glad I missed that one. A whole week of not having stress over how they were going to lose that game.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, uh, you know, blissful. Uh, you know, uh, uh, what? What? Ignorance is bliss. That's yeah, what I'm trying to say. You know, I mean, you know, if you don't have to, don't. I mean, we've used the word uninspiring about this team a ton in 2023, especially at the end of 2022. I I, I don't know why people would tune in. Um, I, and I heard that uh, term describing uh, – the Jacob Gonzalez pick. I was listening to uh, some Southside Sox uh, uh, stuff from with uh, Tommy Barbary, Ballantini, Valentini, and uh, Malachi Hayes, who will be joining us uh, tomorrow uh, at 1 p.m. So we're excited to talk to him about uh, what Luis Robert Dunn is, uh, uh, Jr. has done to kind of become the superstar. Um, but that's really the only reason why I would watch. I mean, like it's going to be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. I think that there will be pieces moved. I yeah. think that Lucas and Lance are pretty sp- pretty gone yeah um if they can move joe kelly i think they will if they can move kendall graveman i think they will i I hate to say this steven if they can move gregory santos he might be a guy with a ton of value no he's staying he's young he's he's got control (laughs) i would um he's he's young he's got uh control and he's only a reliever anybody who
1: has a high upside where you didn't expect it I'm trading them immediately. Gregory Santos would be off my team immediately. As we talked about volatility in bullpens. Last year, you would have not never moved uh, Jimmy Lambert or Ronaldo Lopez. What, what happens this year? They're both bad this year. That's what you have to do with bullpen arms. Once they show you that they're good and they don't have any type of elasticity for going on to the next or the year after that, you got to get what you can get out of Groot Santos, and he will be a valued member. As a 100-mile-per-hour guy, I mean, and the guy with the sub-3 ERA, yeah, somebody's definitely going to take Grut Santos. He's the team in ERA. Huh? He leads the team in ERA. Yeah, so, yes, he has 100-mile-per-hour stuff, and I'm sure people want to say, let's just hold on to that for the future. You can get what Grut Santos is somewhere else. You got him like this. You got him pretty much in a garbage trade.
0: So but you got him in rule five draft.
1: What, oh yeah, rule five trade. I, I was perfect. thinking it was the Clay McClure tra- draft or trade, but it wasn't. But you got him in a rule five tra- trade So you can do that again. You there's a lot of those players just sticking around, and if you get hands on them with uh, Ethan Katz, he can make them into a group Santos and immediately trade him. Immediately that's why I wanted to trade Jake Berger when he was going off on his tangent, and everybody's like, no, you can't trade him. He's one of our best hitters. I'm like, do you think he's gonna be this? And he's shown to be not this as yet, but now he's back to being kind of mediocre, so you really can't take Jake Berger. If somehow, someway in these last couple of games before the trade deadline, he goes off on a home run tangent again, find a trade partner for Jake Berger too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I don't know how valuable Berger is, and I think that's just the reason why you won't see him trade it. Again, he wasn't even valuable to the team. Wasn't on the opening day roster. I mean, like, again, like, the, the White Sox, he improved his defense, and I still don't think he's in, improved his trade value. Like, I mean, I don't think he's a viable third baseman or maybe for let's... a team, like, to to start their 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 franchise with, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's got very limited defensive upside. He's basically a DH, and right now, when he gets cold as hell, he gets cold as hell. Uh, I guess hell doesn't get that cold.
1: But think about what you said yesterday and what we've been talking about with him. He's listening to his wife. I mean, it's not, not a yeah. bad thing he's listening to his wife, but she's, she's, good, she's yeah. adjusting the, the hitting. She's understanding what's wrong with him. Where's the hitting coaches here with the White Sox? got 18 million of them. Maybe on somebody else's team, they, can, they could see what's wrong with him initially and get him right before he runs into this path that he's gone into with the White Sox. It just seems like, and we'll talk about culture later, the White Sox just have a hard time of getting players to hit their zenith
0: and stay there. Yeah, and I don't think Groot Santos nets a top prospect. But like, if you could get a uh, maybe a AAA fringe arm, like a starter, yeah. I mean, this team doesn't have any anything next year in the rotation. So if you can get a fifth starter, um, because some team thinks you know Gregory Santos could be a seven eighth inning guy um, in the bullpen. I mean, may, maybe that happens. I think that's like wishful thinking. Um, but I, I don't think he gets you like a top ten prospect. No, I mean he's a he's all reliever. Um, but that's, again, you got them for nothing. And mm-hmm. we've seen Ken, uh, Keenan Milton, um, come up and, and be great. And another and, person, you know, uh, Cruz Santos be, be all right. And, you know, they have seemingly fixed Jimmy Lambert last year and Reynaldo Lopez. Like they've had some success stories, um, in the pitching department and, um, specifically with, with relievers. So, I mean, they're a dime a dozen. And I, I really do think that, um, if you can get anything for anyone, uh, if it's not bolted down, uh, you know, let's not move it. And I think like Luis Roberts bolted down. That's really it. Like, I mean, I think I think if you know the Orioles got real, real bold, the Diamondbacks got real bold. I think they can get Dylan Cease. Um, I just I, I don't want to get my hopes up. Or, what if those or, two or teams get like real that. bold for Luis Robert? I know I they both have full a, outfields,
1: but they would make some room I, for I uh, mean, Luis we, Robert. We
0: saw what Juan Soto got, and he was an expiring contract. Yes. So Luis Robert Jr. should. I mean, not that exact haul, but I mean, it should be a ridiculous mm-hmm. trade package for somebody that is that cheap, A Asantandir, that good center field. I mean, you just want Anthony Santan No, that's, nope, that's him. the headline. No, I'm, that's a what? start. What? No, that's I mean, start. you a Gunner Henderson yeah. and uh, that the fucking uh, kid with the K last name. Like, I do not know his name. Yeah, uh, Hurston Kildriller, uh second overall pick. Like, that's a good start for a pro, for Luis Robert Jr. I mean, like, again, we're talking about a six-tool. Uh, you know center fielder here um oh Soto had two and a half years when he got traded my bad uh Heston Kerstad um yes. I, thought, I thought the whole thing with Soto was they didn't they, no, they didn't, lose him no they didn't have to pay him at all
2: because what they tried extending him he rejected and but, then they traded him because he's not going to take that money from them he might not later on they did, off, they and did and offer. they did offer him a though, deal it why just did they enough.
0: Why did they just keep him then for two and a half years? Because Mike Rizzo's a bad GM. I guess he is. Yeah. Wow. He's still he's still under arbitration. I thought I thought I totally thought he signed. Up. That is a he's a really bad GM. Why mm-hmm. did you give up Juan Soto? Not even twenty five. To get he's Mac- younger than me to get Mackenzie
1: Gore and uh, the shortstop uh, Abrams. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways,
0: uh, <laughs> I I I, th- I think that it would be really impossible to get Luis Robert Junior. And I, I think that's fine. I I don't think that. The GM should really be moving on from Luis Robert Jr. I think the team should be moving on from the GM. Um, we know this. Uh, but, like, after they get rid of Lucas and Lance, I think that that seems, you know, pretty likely. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are the expectations for this team? They currently sit 16 games under 500, eight and a half games back in the AL Central. I mean, like, I don't, Do you expect this team to have a, a winning month at all once they get rid of Lucas and Lance?
1: I don't expect them to be any worse than they gave up Lucas and Lance. I know those are two great starting pitchers, good starting pitchers on the White Sox, but the starting pitcher has never been the problem. I don't think there'll be any different 16 games below 500. is hard to get to very hard to get to. And I think this team is going to be the same team. It's going to be 16 games under 500 for the second half, which is fewer games. So they're going to be way worse than they were before. But I think, you know they'll maybe put it together a uh, uh, a September that's a winning month because if you look at that September they're playing nothing but bad teams except for at the end I think they play the Padres who is uh, under 500 right now and maybe the Giants or somebody in the no Arizona Diamondbacks so they might put it together in the month of September slash October to get a winning month there but I don't expect them to be worse than they were uh, this first half I expect them to be the exact same team. Sixteen games under five hundred, maybe a I mean, little bit better because just really? the just the bounce back. Just you're just so bad, you go back up to regression. Do you really? No one thought this team was sixteen games below five hundred before the season started, and even the worst projections didn't think you were sixteen games below five hundred.
0: I mean, still the GM though, on the the fourth was saying, you know, we have the best record in the AL Central since May first. Like, I mean, like they, they they were winning. They were three games over five hundred since May. Yeah, and then obviously they they played the Blue Jays and Cardinals, but like, I mean. The pitching has been what has kept this team afloat. Yep. I think if you get rid of Lance Lynn and you get rid of Lucas Giolito, I mean, this is going to fall completely through. I mean, they might be 25, 26 games under 500 when this completely settles. That's just, what, 10 more games worse than they were? That's fine.
1: Am I
0: I mis-selling this then? Yeah, you're you're making them
1: too positive. I'm saying that they're going to add 16 more games Under 500. So, So they're going to be 32 games eventually under 500. So, yes, they're going to be bad, but I don't think they're going to be worse than they were in the first half.
0: (laughs) Jesus Christ. They have
1: have 70 games left. Yeah. So, I mean. So, yeah, I'm saying that 70 games. So, it's not the 92 games sample size being 16 games under 500. There's going to be 70 games where there's 16 games under 500 or 15 games under 500. Whatever it is, if they're gonna be bad. I
0: guess that I guess that'll be worse than the first half. So I just uh, they'd be nineteen over and myself. seventy, I think, right? Or uh, wait, no, what nineteen and seventy minus nineteen? Uh, that's what I need to do. They'd be fifty. They would be nineteen and fifty-one if they were sixteen games under five hundred. What the in the last seven game in the last seventy games, if they were sixteen games under five, if they go sixteen games under five hundred in the second half, yeah, they would be. 19 and 51? No, it's way too many. Is it? Yeah, it's way too
1: many games under 500. Yeah. I'll figure it out and I'll get back to you
2: guys. Yeah. Okay, fine.
0: Um, Please do. Uh, I, I, I am the math guy, and obviously I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing math correctly. Somebody's going to do it over um, here. But bad. Real bad. I mean, this series versus the Atlanta
1: Braves. We're not even starting our best pitcher, and we're just going to get house this weekend.
0: 35 and 35 would be mm-hmm. 500. So, 35 minus 16. No, that doesn't work. Like that. There it is. 27-43. That's 16 games below.
1: There he said, is. I think. You guys are so confident that's, in because That's, that's 16 games. 20, 43 minus 27 is 16 games. And, and if he adds 27-43, it's 70 games. KBW God, he's, he's on his game today. He's Canadian. Yeah. They, they do the, things better than
0: currency's us. Di- I mean, you look at the back of a book. The currency's different. Yeah, but they're smart he's there because they're not American. Calculator. Is I think that's a metric. Calculator (laughs) record uh, for them, Um, so twenty seven and forty three. Doesn't that sound right? Why not call it twenty five and forty five? That works for me. Yeah, I mean, why not? not Clean twenty games under. Yeah, I, I I mean, like there there is no expectation besides me looking at the DraftKings sportsbook app and then seeing that the longest win streak for the Sox is at over five and a half. So I do think it would be absolutely hilarious for this team to finally put a win streak together but in, like, September, right? Oh, oh, yeah. They play Detroit, Kansas City, Detroit, Minnesota, like, for, like, 19 games yeah, right there. Hilarious bunch. if they would win just six straight in there, like, swept the the Tigers, swept the Royals uh, in September, and then, you know, Pedro can be like, oh, oh culture. It, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, so that's what we're doing. Win streak, that's culture, baby. We're putting together, and watch out for 2024.
0: Zach Remillard hit 800
1: in these six games. Yeah, you're right. Detroit, Kansas City, Detroit, Kansas City, Minnesota, Washington, Boston, Arizona, San Diego. It's not that tough. I mean, I mean Boston.
0: Uh, what Boston? Boston who? Uh,
1: Boston, Arizona, San yeah, Diego. That, that's tough. Those, those
0: those three are tough. But San
1: Diego at that time will probably be out of the playoffs. Boston and Arizona will be battling, but every single other one of those teams will be out of the playoffs. Uh, Minnesota will be in the playoffs. Hunt um, by default. Yeah,
0: but Fan- they'll probably be under five hundred themselves. FanGraphs projects the Sox. In the next 70 games to go what i say they were going
1: to be um because very generous be- i think they're going 30 and 40 i think fanny Gress says they're
0: going 30 and 40 yeah, pretty good uh, 34 to 36 okay um so much, much more generous than you thought but yeah um they have them resting at, at 72 and 90 um which i mean a lot of people um i think Vinny was a person that had them over 90 um I think I had him at 83. I think I had him at 85 or 86. 85. Um, so, I mean, I 72 and 90. I that's think a, that would
2: equal their worst season since the World Series. I think 2007, they also won 72 and 90 or 70 and 92, something like that.
1: If they go the record that I got them at, they'll be, I think,
0: 65 Jesus Christ. wins. So, since 2005. 72 and 90 in 2007. 65 63 and 63 and 99 in 2013. So, yeah. The, oh, 67 and 95 and then 62 and 100. They, won, they lost 100 games, I forgot. Gosh. So, 2018 is the worst year. I don't think they lose 100 games. How sad is the,
1: the, the comment by Nick right there? 36 and 34 second half would put them at 74 and 88 to finish the year. It's pretty. Good. They have to go two games over five hundred to get them
0: very, very mediocre
1: records.
0: <laughs> 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 they have to. They have. They have to go two games over five hundred to do uh, Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert. Perfect. There you go. Um, the only two people will be here after all this trade. What's their What's their win percent right now at the stupid no record that they have? Four thirteen. Four thirteen. So four fourteen. Twenty seventeen was sixty seven and ninety five. I mean, is that, do they go over or under 95 wins? 94 and a half. 94 and a half over or under in 2023. 94 wins? I'm 90, oh, sorry, 90, 94, 94 and a half losses over or under. Over. You think they're You think they over? Yeah. You think they're 2017 or worse? Yes. 67 and 95 was that team?
1: Yes. That's that's where that's Mercy. where I got them. That's that's disgusting.
0: All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna talk sad. about the culture that is just breeding this fantastic machine on the the south side. Uh, the the parade's gonna be, I mean, a movie. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's gonna be an insane scene. Uh, just watching all those floats go down and left and right. Up, down, all around, man. That's gonna be fantastic. One circle. Her, do you know what's gonna be great? What is a, a Sunnyside Friday? Uh, um, who's made you feel good in the in, in in the city of Chicago recently? Well, we'll talk about him a little later. But Liam Hendricks, accepting oh. his ESPY Award the other day for uh, Jimmy for courage on a Jimmy V Award. Look at that that Um, made me feel really good
3: yes it did
0: and uh, we love sunnyside cannabis Cannabis dispensary uh it's your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore discover and purchase a wide array of high quality products and of course you know you can recreationally uh consume uh cannabis now uh but also it's, it's got uh medicinal uh uh benefits it does as well so um you know i mean you hear it helping cancer patients um i'm somebody with epilepsy and i know people with a, a little bit more severe uh epilepsy use cannabis to help them so i mean it is something that if you have a little bit of judgment go walk into Sunnyside. people are very helpful again judgment-free zone and they're going to help you relax
3: and
1: they can help you with get your illinois med card too if you do have one of these ailments it's the, it,
0: even though the Sunnyside low prices will be even lower. <laughs> One-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are in your cannabis journey. And it's easy online ordering and in-store pickup. Uh, uh, also is boosted with their great transparency loyalty program, uh, Sunnyside Rewards. Um, it's Illinois' favorite dispensary from city to suburbs, Wrigleyville to River North, Champaign to South Beloit. So through August, head to sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order, one use per customer, not stackable with other promotions. That's not only for new customers. Anyone can use our code. Pick up everything you need to elevate your summer. Must be 21 plus or an Illinois Med card holder. Again, code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order uh, at sunnyside, uh, sunnyside.shop. Uh, so thank you to Sunnyside uh, for sponsoring the podcast. I uh, also want to let you know about our friends over at Lewis University. Uh, students are just like you at Lewis University. They have full-time jobs, families, and full-time sports fandoms. And usually, I like to talk about my, my cousin Maggie. Yes. However, 7-Eleven day, I walked in, looking for a cold pop, and uh, I, I, I I met my my, my normal 7-Eleven cashier, mm-hmm. um, my guy. And uh, he was like, oh, you want a free Slurpee? I was like, what? no. no." I was like, I, I don't need a Slurpee. He's and like, Get all, all good. He's like, "It's well, it's 7-Eleven day. I was like, oh, I had no idea going to 7-Eleven on 7-Eleven. No clue. You
1: can bring as big as a cup as you can fill.
0: Right. I, I made the joke earlier to, to Cody. I mean, I wouldn't know it's the 4th of July outside, except for the fireworks that are mm-hmm. going off. Um, But my guy was telling me that you know, he was just asking like, well, what do you do? And I was like, I obviously know what you do. You're a 7-Eleven cashier. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, having a job, is also a, a, part, a school uh, a student at Lewis. Oh, wow. Uh, he came over from India. Uh, he got his bachelor's degree there. And now he is working full-time at 7-Eleven, mm-hmm. night shift. And he is a grad student oh, wow. at Lewis University. Uh, the programs fit his life. I think he's got two more semesters left uh, to finish up. So uh, shout out to Lewis University, 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville. Um, and they are going to take care of you know uh, anybody. If, if you are a person... Uh, wherever you are in your college journey, uh, whether you're looking to finish your bachelor's degree, get a master's degree, finish your master's degree, uh, Lewis University is going to have the grad programs and adult undergrad performance uh, 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 programs for you. Um, my guy uh, working at the Seven Eleven uh, is is getting uh, cybersecurity. Uh, oh, okay. That's one of the... Uh, the- the programs that they talk about here. Uh, it's a department of Homeland security center of academic excellence and cybersecurity. Uh, so discover how a degree from Lewis university can help you build a better world. Learn more at lewisu.edu slash Y O U can do this. And I, uh, feel bad because I completely uh, blank on his name. Uh, Maddie's better with names. Uh, so I usually rely on her, and now I'm completely blanking on his name. But he's he's always great me. I'm smiles. sure that uh, <laughs> 7-Eleven clerk finds Lewis University convenient. I think so, too. Oh, look at you. Um, Mercy. All right. Uh, <laughs> I used that the other day. Um, no kids yet. Still dad jokes. Um, also, uh, Dust UFO um, earlier up here uh, mentioned um, the report, and I want to actually miscredit this. Uh, There's no reason. I know who actually reported this. Um, But on uh, Bernstein and Holmes, which is incorrect, Um, John Morosi, which is incorrect, uh, claimed that there are four untouchables Mm. uh, for the White Sox organization. Luis Robert Jr., Andrew Vaughn, Aloy Jimenez, and Dylan Cease. Um, Again, I I, I feel pretty fine with if anyone but Luis Robert Jr. is gone. um, I'm fine. I understand it, and as long as they are getting... uh, fair value or more than fair value, I, I would be excited. Um, but I, I just, it's weird that they're like, Andrew Vaughn's untouchable. Very weird. And
1: that's I, coming from a guy who loves Andrew Vaughn, like in yourself.
0: Yeah. And it's like, why is he untouchable? Cause no one wants him. Like, and I did get a little bit nervous. And we'll, I'll talk uh, about this tomorrow that uh, there was a comp that uh, Andrew Vaughn's like, david ortiz in minnesota uh that he's just he's, he's waiting not- to
1: take steroids when he goes
0: to boston exactly okay. um but david ortiz was very much a uh all all fields hitter in minnesota and then he got to boston and they were like hey you're a big-ass motherfucker what if you just pulled the ball and he was like oh yeah i'll just hit 500 home runs and go to the hall of fame um i just have that fear that you know andrew vaughn's gonna go i don't know what, what place is an easy right field he's gonna go to houston right? Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're going to put him in left field and with the Crawford boxes. And he's just going to just be pulling home runs uh, and hit like 35 bombs and become the next Jeff Bagwell. Um, so like, I, th- that's my fear is okay. really that like, you know, maybe the White Sox do know the talent that they're just absolutely butchering uh, in Andrew Vaughn. And that's why he's untouchable. Um, but I mean, they're doing with Aloy Jimenez as well. Um, maybe we'll be able to see the gross that Luis Robert has made with those two players. But so far, I mean, you know, I, I think some of those players are untouchable because they're just not good. Yeah, I like think Johan Mancata's is untouchable because no one wants him. Your
1: contract's ridiculous, and um, but I think uh, David Ortiz has like the most home runs after being a certain age because he was like twenty six oh, yeah. when he left Minnesota, and then he hit most of his home runs in Boston.
0: Yes, he was, he was aided 20, 27 to uh what forty. Mm-hmm. He hit four hundred and eighty three home runs. Yeah. Um, which is pretty good, but also like I think uh, yeah. Barry Bonds was uh, pretty. Uh, I mean, yeah, but he was good,
1: and when he was in his tw- early twenties right, too.
0: What twenty seven to twenty seven to f- uh, forty two? Barry Bonds hit t- six hundred and twenty homers. Baby, that's
1: that's, that's stupid. Yeah, and and think about it. he <laughs> played in San his home games in San Francisco, the Marine Layer there, that yeah. ballpark, that right field, not the big, not the the smallest of right fields. He was definitely doing some shit. And uh I think we you brought up early in the year the Danye versus Bonds uh battle and uh he hit two steroid addled players and Barry Bonds won that battle. When he had a straight center too, and that's a poke too, out there at uh Globe Life or what's it like, not Globe Life, uh, Oracle slash Pac Bell mm-hmm. AT AT&T and T ballpark. Yeah.
0: Um can I, can I ask you a quick question here, Herb. Yes you can. Uh, you mentioned that, that, that park and uh, you know that, that splash zone. Yep. Um, 102 mm-hmm. uh, official splash hits. Um, I'm not sure if these are just specifically by, uh, by Giants or if... Oh, yeah. These are only by Giants, I think. And um, these are... Splash hits are the ones on the fly. Yeah. On the fly that hit into McCovey Cove. Mm-hmm. San Francisco Giants only. 102 splash hits. How many were Barry Bonds? All right. Let me just uh, pare it down. I mean, Pablo probably hit a couple. Uh, Brandon Bell would hit a couple. I would say 47 of those. Brandon Bell, I believe, is second on the list with 10. Um, your guess, it actually uh, oversold Barry Bonds. Okay. 35 of 102. 34% of these splash hits were hit by Barry Bonds. And he hadn't played in <laughs> oh. years? <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, when he left, I mean, that, that's what I should do. Who... who I'm, uh, he had 35 of the first 45. <laughs> that's Just ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, and that's your Barry Bonds uh, stat of the day. Um, all right, let's get into culture here. Um, this has been a, a thing that I, I, I've been, during the All-Star break, kind of going around and checking out all the Sox coverage. You know, I've, I've been checking out the future Sox, and we had Mike Rankin on to talk about the draft yesterday, so make sure you go back and uh, listen to that uh, uh, episode if, if you didn't. Um, to some Southside Sox stuff, too, with the draft recap. And I've uh, been listening to some Sox Machine and read up on some, uh, some Jim Margulis over at SoxMachine.com. Awesome stuff. And Jim recently wrote about uh, the White Sox record is their culture. And there is a quote from Scott Merkin uh, that was tweeted out um, right before the game on Sunday from Pedro on Pedro Griffo building an organizational culture. Quote, I think the foundation is being set. We've got some work to do but the foundation is in place and we've got to continue to really focus on it. I believe that's really big part of building a sustainable championship organization. Culture is a big part of uh, part of it. It's not quantifiable. A lot of people don't believe in it. I've lived it. When you go to two world series in a row and you see a clubhouse and you see an organization and you see culture in place, I just believe in culture. A lot of that was gibberish. Um, he just believes in it, Herb. A yeah. hey, big believer in it, um, and he says, "You see a clubhouse, and you see an organization, and you see culture in place. Like you could just see it. I, I no one's really. I, it doesn't feel like you could see it, you know. Okay. Like I mean, like there's no rave reviews of of culture. We we heard rave reviews of culture in 2020 and 2021, and you know now we've heard that that's tied to winning. Um, but I, I also wonder, like, did it become too professional?" Like, did it just become too serious? Like, did the move from Ricky Renteria to Tony La Russa just put too much pressure on this team, and then everyone got all guarded, and everyone started to turn into clicks, and now we've just seen this absolute uh, ball of energy explode on us? Yeah, um, when
1: we, uh, Tanny and I, did the Locked on Sox the day that it was announced that Tony Larusa was getting hired, I remember I was pissed, and people were like, Herb, what about managers do not not mattering? I was like, they don't unless they come in and change what is fun about this team. Young, hip, hot happening, enjoyable. Remember that Oakland series? Yes, they lost two games to one to Oakland. But Timmy starts off his playoff career, what, nine for nine? Hot as shit. Lucas Giolito, 18 straight versus Oakland, gives up a couple hits, one run, seven innings, eight strikeouts plus he has that dominating game. You see the home run by Luis Robert in that game. Uh, 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 oasis of a bunch of garbage in the second half that Luis Robert had. But you saw the 485 or whatever it was. off 47, of Mike, yeah. 47 off of Mike Fires. You're like, okay, here we go. The one play that o- Oloy played, double, gets hurt immediately. So you're like, all right, yeah, we got dismissed pretty easily. And then we get the pitcher who shut us down. Liam Hendricks got the last out versus Norma, Norma Mazzara. And you're like, okay, we got that guy now who was on that other team that was shutting us down. All right, we're going in the right direction. And I was like, when they fired Ricky Renteria, I was like, cool. I I guess he's a A to B guy. He's kind of like, um, you remember Doug Collins? I don't know if you, Doug Collins was the, the Bulls. Yeah. yeah, the Bulls coach up until the, 90, until the 90s. And then they took over and they fired Doug Collins and Phil Collins took over. That's what oh, Phil Collins. Phil Jackson. Jackson took over. I hope Phil Collins didn't take over. Coach, we need to play. Stop playing that drums. Um,
0: he I could feel it.
1: And that's what I was thinking. Like, okay, he's going to get his Phil Jackson. And I was like, okay, I don't necessarily like all the stuff that Rick, Rick Hahn does, but this might be a good move. We're moving on to the future. And then when they hired Tony LaRusso, I was like, that's going to stop some of the fun that's going on. He's old school. He hasn't been in the game in 11 years. I was like, I hope I'm wrong, but that's the start of it. And I think that put a ripple effect through the whole organization. The players realized that they're not going to be the team that they used to be, even though they won the division that year. They were all behind Tony La Russa. Everything was good, but the players realized it wasn't going to be fun anymore. And maybe that happened when Yermeen hit that home run on the 3-0 count in Minnesota. These things came Uh, have a chasm of these players remember they were having a great time they were convivial with each other enjoying each other's company now last year you hear the clicks you hear everybody's kind of mad at each other everybody doesn't stays away from each other there's no unity the 2020 team everybody loved they were family people like this is going to be the team that's going to win a world series because they're all having a good time that is where it happened with the culture of the white Sox. bringing this new guy in I thought maybe that can happen too. something fresh, a guy that understands them, a guy that's being seen them from afar, a guy that speaks the language that they speak, a native tongue, not just a person that speaks Spanish, a person that actually is of the culture and it hasn't happened yet, but I know what he's talking about. He's talking about setting uh, a standard in that clubhouse that has to be followed. And then the wins and the, all the results will follow, but I don't too much disagree with them, but this team is too far gone. Too many different agendas for these players. Too many agenda- agendas for the front office. You cannot tell me that people respect Rick Hahn in that clubhouse after he got usurped by Jerry Reinsdorf. You cannot tell me that these, these players are playing for each other like they did in 2021, where they had injuries there, too. They had a lot of injuries in 2021, and still... They came back, and players who came up from the minors or players who were a bench player, they stepped up when it needed to do it. This year, people get injured, and we get no real help except for Jake Berger with his great uh, home run streak there. But you can't tell me that this team likes each other. The culture there is losing. The culture there is sad sack. The culture there is not good. Mm-hmm. And that started on October 29, 2020, when they hired Tony LaRusso. You could see on the face of Rick Hahn that day, if you go back and watch the video of him introducing on Zoom Tony Rusa, Russa, he's crestfallen, his heartbroken. Introducing your new manager, who's a, happened to be a Hall of Famer that won three championships. That I think was the day the White Sox died and
0: well, it was bad. And that goofy guy had a big old smile on his face when Pedro Griffo was announced. So, I mean, mm-hmm. still it's, it's, it's mainly the guy smiling and, picking these managers because um, he still has a job and you know those managers don't. Um, but Jim also then uh, links to uh, a report from Daryl Lance Gowan, who I think then got, um, at the time, exclusive comments from Pedro about culture. Um, and Pedro described uh, what culture looks like. What it feels like is you can't wait to get to the clubhouse and perform. Hmm. What it looks like is when you're watching us from up there in the stands, you want people to say, These guys are together. These guys are fighting together. They're playing to win every single night. And obviously what it acts like is these guys are professionals. They respect the game. They respect the fans. They respect what they do. And they really respect our team. Um, Just don't get that from this team. Mm-hmm. I I I don't get any sense of that from this team. I don't get any fun. Nope. I don't get any unity. I don't get any camaraderie. Um, I think that Aloy Jimenez and Aloy uh, and Luis Robert Jr. are very good friends. Yes, I think they like each other. Mm-hmm.
1: Pitchers probably like each yeah. other. Yeah, but I think that's but also <laughs> also also kind of forced.
0: Yeah, I mean, and two, it's just like I mean, if a guy, it, the pitchers are doing well, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like who's those guys aren't going to get really mad at Lance Lynn, uh-huh. but like, you know, if Lucas is coming in and he's pitching each and every single day and performing, I don't think they care. You know, uh-huh. I mean like they're not going to talk to him on the day he's pitching. And you know, I mean like it's all about probably support. Um, but yeah, I mean the position players, like they are playing every single day with each other and they don't seem like a unit.
1: No, they don't. I don't know if they like each other and I'm not, I've not been in the clubhouse. So take this with a grain of salt. And you don't necessarily need to like each other to play hard. But you got to kind of play for your other team, your teammate. It's an individual game played within a team concept. And I see a lot of selfish play, a lot of ragged play. Um, They haven't figured out any of their offensive or their uh, defensive uh, woes in the outfield where they're calling people out. They're doing a little bit better with the calling off the ball, but they still bump into each other all the time. The airs are prolific. So I don't know. What needs to change? I, well, I do know what needs to change. But realistically, I don't know
0: what needs to change on this team for this team to move forward. Players, I, th- I think that it's time to just move on from from Tim Anderson. And I, I know some people, and uh, in, in you especially, mm-hmm. uh, don't like hearing that because he's meant so much to the team. But I, I, I think that there's a lot going on in his life. I think there's a lot going on in his head. And, and I do think that it affects his ability to be a leader, be that guy as the shortstop to... You know, be the face of the team. I mean, you know, I mean, this was the defining moment. Mm-hmm. He Just did that of free will, volition. You know, fuck Brad Keller. Yeah. Um. And you know that 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 was the energy we wanted, and he he's not been able to enjoy any success of his own and- this year at all. I mean, like he has not been able to flip a damn bat. Um. Out of pride and joy this entire year, and that's defiance.
1: That's us against them type of mentality. I'm surprised that they haven't done that type of thing where Pedro, Rick, so one of the players comes out and says, you know what? If you're not with us, F you. We're we're doing this for ourselves. We're doing it for the 26 men in that clubhouse. That's a defiant moment because he's like, yeah, he's turning around to his teammate and saying, let's go. He's not showing up Brad Keller. And then, of course, Brad Keller hits him with the next time he comes up, and his teammates have his back. We haven't seen any of that type of Camaraderie, I got your own, I got your six type of uh, team building. And maybe it's because of all the stuff that's been going on with the team and how badly this, yeah, Tim has been playing poorly. And as we say, as he goes, the team goes. And that isn't more, it couldn't be more true this year. He's been hella poor, hella bad on the field. And the team is the same. Now, if Tim catches fire, see, that's the reason why I don't want to get rid of him. Because firstly, he's, playing bad, you won't get your proper value from him. And then secondly, once he gets traded, I guarantee he's going to fucking go off. And I'm <laughs> going to be so pissed. And somebody some other team and some other fan base will be like, yeah, buddy, we had TA7. And they're going to be all happy when we got a pair of socks for him. Literally. And then in like 20 years from now, we're going to be like, man, remember when we had Tim Anderson? Man, those first four or
0: five years. Nice. And then he went on to that Hall of Fame career with the Giants. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. Well, and, and blank names asking about Tim's trade value. Um, I, I, I Malky, Malachi, 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 you got it, Malachi. Malachi Hayes uh, will be with us tomorrow. And he, he tweeted yesterday, uh, today, um, I wonder why a guy who's carrying, uh, whose carrying tool is 70 grade back control, uh, suddenly can't hit for contact while playing with a bum shoulder. Uh, that being uh, Tim Anderson. Um, like, I do think that I heard something that like, you know, a hundred percent of Tim being off of his OPS is because he's hurt hundred percent, hundred points of that is uh, him just having bad luck. Um, and then a hundred percent of that is probably, you know, off the field stuff. And it's just like, if he could just have some better luck, if he could maybe just have a clearer head um, if, if maybe some of those things that a front office can talk themselves into uh, maybe there's a mid teen prospect. I, I think also the thing too is like, for Tim Anderson, you might have to be a little bit more bold and be like, all right, maybe we have to see a project and a long-term project like the Padres. I don't know exactly if they saw that with Fernando Tatis Jr., but, um, again, he turned into something uh, just for James Shields, right? Again, I mean steroids. When, huh? Again, steroids. Oh, steroids, yeah. I mean, he's pretty damn good right now.
1: Yeah, but, you know, he had steroids, and then you stay at a level. He's not doing steroids anymore, but... He- he got his money.
0: Yeah. yeah. You don't just do you drop want off. Non, from... Do you want non-steroid Tatis yes. on the team this year? I want non-steroid people on my team, yes. No, I know, but do you think he's non-steroid right now? You've been watching him. He's probably, probably
1: not. He's team. probably ahead of the game somehow. Probably he's probably been doing this for smart. a while. Probably been doing this steroid cycle for a while. Caught. And understand. But yeah, he was just dumb. And then he tried to make excuses. Oh, well, I got acne. I got this. I got ringworm. You have... Deficient money in your pocket. So you wanted to have a little bit more. You see how his bro- brother is? Elijah sucks. And <laughs> Fernando probably wasn't that good
0: either. I, 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 I again, I, I don't know about that. Because again, right now he's got a four war, got 60 homers. Pretty damn good. It's good to have
1: steroids, it puts you, sets you for life. Melky Cabrera had some too. Mercy. Um,
0: a Rod. Oh. You can't compare Melky and A Rod. I, can't, I mean, both of those guys had completely different paths to success. Melky but, Cabrera could have took all the steroids he wanted to and wouldn't have been as good as A Rod. But
1: Melky was kind of an also ran player with the Yankees, and then he took steroids, got his big ass deal, and was smooth. I think he got a deal from Toronto, then he got a deal from the White Sox.
0: I mean, the whole A Rod stuff—he started taking steroids because of the big ass contract. Yeah, he wanted to live up to it. Um, he got paid, and then was like, oh. should. We can be a little bit better. Um, All right. uh, Let's tell people about ComEd. Uh, Oh, actually, no, wait. So the main thing, you talk about the culture, you talk about people not liking each other. Um, We've heard a little bit about this, and I've been kind of taking in other White Sox media. Um, And and our Chuck, um, we had him on the podcast December. Um, He was on his own White Sox Talk podcast uh, with Ryan McGuffey.
3: Um, And I thought this was interesting that Chuck kind of just dropped this about the clubhouse. But despite all the talent, the one thing that I've been hearing, I've been hearing is the problems in the clubhouse. And you can look at a player and this player and that player and that player. How do they all work together? Can this, can you create a winning culture, a winning team and players who won elsewhere have come here and I've heard from them and their reaction is something like, what is going on here? what, this is what's going on here. This, this is not working. This is not good. And a lot of it had to do with the position players. And when Jose Abreu told the sun times, I mean, I don't even need to say anything more than what Jose Abreu said, Jose Abreu told the sun times after he went off to Houston said, quote, I think the best way I can put it is just that we weren't a real family. These guys here in Houston, they're a family. Obviously, I can see why the Astros organization has had as much success as they've had in the last couple of years. Something is missing in that clubhouse and you can change the coaching staff or maybe change the coaching staff. Maybe they can help it, but there is a mix problem that is hurting them on the field and off the field.
0: And we heard a little bit about that from Dallas Keuchel, I think is is mainly the, the biggest veteran. But to, uh, that, that quote tracks. jumped out to us when... Jose made it day of, and I guess now just looking back on it, and now hearing all about that with um, Dallas Keuchel and uh, even Guff made the point. Um, I do like how he was like, I, I like not. I he he met, he said this is the worst All Star break for the White Sox that he can remember, which you know I, I think is fair. And he he said he did a lot of reflecting on, um, and he wasn't trying to have uh, what's it called. Um, a knee-jerk reaction or anything. Yeah. Uh, but then he also, like, about 10 minutes later, said that Yasmani Grandal was the worst contract in Sox history, Ooh. which I don't know about that, Guff. Um, Dallas Keuchel is a thing.
1: Um, but, I mean, and Yasmani, I don't think, like, his first two years were pretty solid. And I said at right. the time, he's like, he's worth the contract that he signed and maybe a little bit
0: more. But I thought the point that Guff made about Grandal that really hasn't seemed to be a lightning rod, doesn't really seem to be a guy that, people talk about much no you know Jose Abreu mentions them not being a family does Grindahl talk to Mancada much does Anderson talk to Mancada that much does Anderson talk to Grandall that much I mean we talk about the the core I mean is Anderson mingling with Aloy we know Aloy mingles with Luis Robert and it seems like Robert and Aloy m- mix with um Mankata, yeah, yeah. and uh, Abreu was a part of that crew as well um but it really doesn't seem like there is a bond between any of these players. And then Andrew Benatendi gets thrown in here and he's I mean, a quiet as kept. He's, he's a clock. He's like, not a vocal leader. Yeah. Um I don't even know if he talks to anybody, you know, it seems like burger Vaughn and sheets talk to each other, but even then it seems like more burger and sheets rather than burger Vaughn and sheets. Like it seems like it's very split up and yeah. Hey, you know, I mean like, you know, you're just there to do a job, not be best friends, but also like it's not a family, not a good vibe. And it, that's showing on the field. Yeah. And that is part of Pedro and the coach's job
1: to have the clubhouse be a cohesive unit and to have them be the best that they can be before they go on onto the field. And if that is some team-building exercise or we're doing some trust stuff or you're playing video games with each other, I don't know, something where on the road you're just enjoying each other's company instead of all staying at the same hotel room and staying in your own hotel room Let's come on down to the lobby. Let's have some enjoyable times with each other. Let's get to know each other outside the field. Let's uh, actually be a brotherhood. Let's play for one another because we like each other type of situation. But, yeah, like you said, you've called out all the clicks, all the people you see in the clubhouse. I mean, we haven't seen anything different from what Vinny reports or from what Chuck or Duff or anybody has reported that this team doesn't seem that they want to play for each other. They don't I don't know if they necessarily don't like each other, but it doesn't seem like it. Like the jacket thing is nice, it's fun, it's it's lighthearted. Stupid. But there's nothing that says, "Man, these guys are just enjoying each other's time even when you lose." You know, you could just enjoy each other's time even though the day the game didn't go your way. It doesn't seem like that. It seems like doldrums when they
0: lose, and when they win, it's a little bit better than that. Well, and it just seems like the White Sox have um all the ego in the world that's completely unchecked Mm -hmm. and, um, it just seems like they have their focus on the wrong things. I mean, what we hear from Jerry Reinsdorf, especially recently is one of his, uh, Now, new ventures as an owner is to uh, limit the size of front offices. Hmm. Wonder why? I mean, there was a great managerial uh, candidate in Joe Espada, and the rumor uh, on why Joe Espada wasn't hired was because he wanted a larger staff, and he wanted to bring his own staff. He wanted to fire people and, you know, make the White Sox um, different, um, which was not good. That's that's a bad thing. Yeah. and you look at Pedro Graffol and him talking about culture, a lot of culture is because there's a lot of people making up and doing their jobs and pulling left and right. And you know, it's, it's everyone making everyone else's jobs easier. So all the players have to do is show up. Um, You look at the size of some of the staffs, the front office, baseball operations, minor league operations, um, like the baseball specific stuff that these teams list on their websites. Um, the Royals have 86 people in baseball operations uh, in minor league operations and amateur scouting, 47 specifically in baseball operations. The Dodgers have 72 people. Um, and the White Sox total in major league operations, minor league operations, amateur scouting, and then Rick and Kenny have 44. So, I mean, that's, that's just the big difference right there is the team is not focused on improving their team. They are focused on let's acquire players – basically like a video game. Mm -hmm. People will show up and fill the stands because the win column is there. And then we make money.
1: Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about culture, we all witnessed it last year. I mean, if any of us, and I, like I said, I don't like to necessarily do lay people's jobs to sports people's jobs, but if any of us, like if Steven was sent to the all-star game for producers as a starter, Me, Sean, Vinny, everybody in this office would rise up, give him a standing ovation, and cheer him on. Man, Steven, good job. We saw that last year where they announced that Tim Anderson was going to be the starting shortstop for the American League last year. Golf claps. Good job, man.
0: No, that, yeah, get out of here. I'm not even job. sure all, all of them here. stood up for it. Yeah, it yeah was get your ass out of Mostly here. seated. Who cares? It's like, because they don't. Kenny Williams either. They don't read like, it on. Before. Yeah, and
1: then Kenny came. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, you got your boss is not understanding. Hey, there's gonna be a big time announcement here, or hey, we need to d- have these players be as positive as they can. You coming down here and saying words to him and mfing them is not the right message especially at this time where we're about to announce this guy's going to the All-Star game as a starter. And that video they put out there was pitiful. And it's either they don't like Tim or they didn't like what Kenny did or a combination of all those things. And that's a bad thing if your team doesn't like that your one of your players is going to be a starter in the All-Star game. We, White Sox don't get a lot of those at all. So when you get one, it should be a huge deal. And I think it turned a
0: lot of people off when that happened. Yeah, it, absolutely. And it was... I mean, I, it, Tony turned me off. I mean, you, you mentioned that earlier, and that was probably the, the day that kind of ruined all this. Um, and I, I don't really think it was specific signings or anything because a lot of the signings, you look back, when you first were reacting, like... Keiko was good. Keiko was fine. Grindahl was fine. Like, you know, I mean, the, the one that I think I was pretty vocal about not liking his Ben Attendee, yes, um, but he's not the reason the 2023 White Sox are this bad. Um, not the reason, but he's but not helping he's just, that tough again, either. Again, a signaling of this bad, bad front office and them being clueless. Um, Herp, you want to let people know about ComEd? They might be clueless about ComEd. They might not understand how amazing Comet is. They're efficient. Yes, they are. Yeah. They got a
1: program. Yeah, the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills
0: now and into the future, Sean. Because ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or... Industrial processes. How does that work, Sean? Well, an authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency uh, projects that they could start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you own a business, do not wait. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy-saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. That's comed.com slash poweringbiz. B-I-Z. Thank you, ComEd. Uh, also, want to let you know about our friends over at Foco. Get fit in the best sports gear around. Hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. They also have Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything for baseball season and everything you need for a game because Foco is the best. Uh, we have some lovely, awesome set decorations that they have donated to us. Uh, we don't have any currently on display right in now. in Studio A. They're in Studio A because you know that's the A-team. Got to get the A-team, blah, blah. It's out in Dude, Studio dee, dee. A. Um, but yeah, well, that, that A-team as well. Uh, Mr. T. Uh, I, I pity the fool that doesn't go on Foco.com. Um, <laughs> check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below. And for all non presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Again, for all non presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off at Foco com. okay. You want to shout out Liam Hendricks here? Yeah, yeah. Um, last night
1: at the ESPYS, Liam Hendricks got the Jimmy V Award for uh, I think for courage. Uh, Jimmy V is uh, Jim Valvano, a former uh, NC State coach who uh, had a brave battle with cancer, and his um, his line was "Don't give up. Don't ever give up." And every year at the ESPYs, they give a a recipient, a valuable recipient, his uh, award. And last night, it was Liam's turn. And so Liam gave a nice, beautiful four-minute speech. I would seek it out if you can. And giving credit to his wife, his doctors, and a great message about people who are going through troubles like him with cancer, people with depression. uh, Things are uh, uh, ailing them. He said that you should just send them a message. Send them a message via text, email, call them. He says, because those things really, you know, if you're in a crappy mood and you're in your own feelings, which you should be because uh, having a diagnosis like stage four cancer is a serious thing. You know, sending a message to one of your friends, family members or your co-worker, those things go a long way. So it was really good that Liam took his message and his fight with cancer and uh, broadened it to everybody else who was out there, you know, dealing with something as we all have people in our life who has either been affected by cancer, affected by depression, affected by different ailments, always, you know, checking your people, say what's up, make sure you tell your people you love them when you can. So it was a good message last night by Liam Hendricks, and glad there's some positivity coming out of the White Sox camp, and that's been the best story this year, the first half for the White Sox, and probably MLB, Liam Hendricks, both diagnosis and overcoming cancer, and then pitching baseball.
0: Well, well, too. And, I mean, I'm just so frustrated for him right now because he's dealing with um, something that's not related to that. That's mm-hmm. just um, an, a normal athlete injury, and that's probably frustrating because he had to go through all of this unnormal stuff, and yep. now he's just dealing with an injury uh, with elbow inflammation. Again, we hear that um, he should be returning to pitching soon, so hopefully um, we will see Liam Hendricks in a White Sox uniform um, coming up again. But, I hopefully. mean, if 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 – It is possible, too, that, you know, Liam gets dealt. Um, I I know he's currently injured, um, and they'd have to, you know, pass all the the medicals, but, um, I mean, who wouldn't want that person on your team? Who who wouldn't want to root for that person? Who wouldn't want to trust that guy in the ninth inning?
1: And I would think also that's probably part of the downfall of the White Sox, not having the person, Liam Hendricks, in the clubhouse all the time this year. Their big struggling month was no Liam Hendricks that whole month. And so I'm sure when times got rough, Liam can say, hey, man, we're better than this, swallow that game, let's go to the next, because he does it all the time. Gives up home runs, gives up leads, gives up saves sometimes, and the next game he's still Liam Hendricks. He buttons down and gets the job done. I remember last year, I coming to you early after, like, a couple bad April uh, relief appearances, and I was like, man, your man Liam is sucking, uh, Sean. You're like, calm
0: down. He'll be fine. And he was. He will be fine. He's a professional. And that, yeah. that, that's the thing is, I mean, you could just always rely and trust on in him and, and that he'd bounce back. And, hey, uh, shout-out to Christy Hendricks, obviously uh, Liam's wife, um, always supportive of Liam, everything that he's done. And she also has a Ashland Berger story where, uh, you know, she was like, hey, you're tipping your pitches. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, uh, it's not the first time we've heard a wife helping out a White Sox player. Uh, anyways... That's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. we got 21 likes, and we really do appreciate everyone hanging out with us. Don Um, Cooper. Don Cooper. Um, Make sure you hit that thumbs-up button on your way out. Um, We know this team stinks, but we don't think that you guys stink. Uh, Thank you for hanging out with us, Uh, always chatting and and giving your thoughts on the White Sox. We will be with you tomorrow at 1 p.m. It's going to be me and Mal- Maliki Hayes of Southside Sox chatting about Luis Robert Jr., uh, maybe some draft stuff. And, yeah, it's a uh, good article. I, I did read that. It was good. We're going to talk about the White Sox pulling inside fastballs. I mean, hey oh uh, You going to be getting tactical tomorrow. It's going to oh, be good stuff. I'm going to fucking nerd out. It's mm-hmm. going to be awesome. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter, at Acknerall23 is our CHGO White Sox community leader. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for producing our show, and we will talk to you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Bye.